Hello, and welcome to Food Crush, the On Milwaukee podcast for people who eat. My name is Matt Miller, culture editor for On Milwaukee, and I am joined here by the star of the show, really. I'm just the casual voice getting us from place to place. She is the real star of the show, Lori Friedrich, food writer for On Milwaukee. How are you doing, Lori? Great. Great. Yeah. I'm way over-caffeinated, but, you know, today's a good day. It's the first podcast, so, I mean, that's all the excitement you needed, but you brought caffeine to the party, too. I did. I did. I'm sipping on my caffeine. <laughs> I, I, I won't make the sound effect, but... We should explain what this is. Obviously, this is a food podcast, Food Crush. Our goal here is to kind of take Lori Friedrich, and we want to bring her off the page. We want everyone to hear what she has to say about food off the off the plate, on the plate, uh, just in the restaurant in Wisconsin, outside of Wisconsin. We're just interested in food, and I'm here because I'm the complete opposite of Lori. Lori knows a lot about food, is open-minded about food. I am here because I'm close-minded about food. I'm a general goofus about food. Hasn't even eaten any food yet today. We're none? Not a single bite of food. No, I had a brownie. Take that back. That's blasphemy. <laughs> it's not good. You were <laughs> describing what you had for breakfast, and it was this very exotic-sounding smoothie with oh. all these ingredients, and I was like, well, I had a brownie on accident. That's okay. That's classic Matt Miller. A brownie. Did you did you wash it down with something? Nothing. Oh. Oxygen. That's all <laughs> I washed it down with. So, but I see. I think the second purpose here is to open Matt wide up to food. <laughs> it sounds like, like an autopsy. Gonna, yeah. Well, you know. It sounds like we're, this ends with me dead. We're not going to see what's inside of you because I know what's inside it's of you. It's just gummy bears and but, well, Dr Pepper inside <laughs> right. of me. Oh, and, and tropical, like, what's, what's oh, your favorite? Oh, uh, Tahitian treat. Tahitian treat. I am the one person on Someday Earth. I will try this drink that sounds terrible to me. It's t- It tastes like a Mountain Dew product. It's a lot of sugar. All right. It has no health. I can't even defend it. It's not even 1% fruit juice. No, it's negative fruit juice. Okay, 99% percent They've sugar. kept fruit as far out of the equation as possible. But this podcast, uh, to get into why we're here, we're going to be talking about Foods that we like. We're going to be talking to restaurant owners, restaurateurs, people doing cool things in the Milwaukee food scene that's involving restaurants, but also people involved with gathering food, hunting food. Everything involving food is stuff Anything, that, anything involving food is really game. You know, exactly, right? exactly. And even some things that people might not think of as food. Yeah, like using microwaves to cook and right. uh, a college person's guide to cooking. And teaching me how to not hate mushrooms yes. and other foods. Yes. Uh, that's right. I'm looking forward to that. A guest listeners, I hate mushrooms. He, he's he got a list of things he hates, and we're going we're gonna to reform all of them. Yes, Lori's, um, we're going to have reoccurring series like Lori teaches Matt about food. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to hopefully learn a lot about food in the process, debate a little bit about food, which is why we're here on this first episode. It's a big debate. We figured that we were going to open up this episode by kind of, or open up this podcast entirely by talking about the foods that, the food question debates that kind of haunt the food scene. The essential controversies. Yeah, the the, the great questions of our time. Yeah. Yeah. And we figured what better way, we didn't want to do an episode where it was just like, hey, Lori, where are you from? What's your favorite food? What's it like? We didn't want to do like an icebreaker episode. Boring. Yeah. We wanted to do an episode where we're talking about the tough questions. And since dining month, it's dining month on Milwaukee, 
That's yeah, our first October, our the first, most beautiful month of the year. Our <laughs> first shameless plug of the podcast for Dining Month content. Uh, we've been pushing some of these questions out there, uh, some of these big dining questions. One of those questions, I think the great question of our time, of our era, of our generation, is a hot dog a sandwich? Lori has strong feelings about this, educated feelings on this. Lori, I will give you the floor. Is a hot dog a sandwich? I am inclined to say it absolutely is a sandwich. Um, and I have I have some good evidence behind me on this. That's so, devastating. Um, Merriam-Webster, for instance, agrees with me. And, I, and I'm going to actually quote this here, that we know the idea that a hot dog is a sandwich is heresy to some. Hi. You but, can't see it because this is a podcast, but my hand is raised. <laughs> but the definition of sandwich is two or more slices of bread or a split roll having a filling in between. And so there's no real sensible way around it, like a hot dog. You know, if you want a meatball sandwich on a split roll to be a sandwich, then you kind of have to accept that a hot dog is also a sandwich. I cannot, I cannot get on board with this definition. And you know who else cannot get on board with this definition? The official sandwich organization, the great overlords of sandwich dumb actually the national hot dog and sausage council right? oh yes. yes pardon me i had the wrong organization <laughs> but they also they they agree with me you have the quote from them correct? they do they do and and to me to me this is a bunch of marketing jargon pr okay? <laughs> it is it is so according to the national hot dog and sausage council they say our verdict is pregnant pause Wait, is the pregnant pause in there? Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> a hot dog is an exclamation of joy, a food, a verb describing one showing off, and even an emoji. It is truly a category unto its own. I just, I cannot back this hot dog. as And part of it is just I'm a fuddy-duddy old man trapped in a 27-year-old's body. But see, that's even more. Okay, so there's evidence to that. Old, old menus. Like you look at menus from the 1930s and the, physically you will find on menus the hot dog listed as a hot dog sandwich but, or listed under the heading of sandwich. So, so how do you explain that? Like, you know, well, we were, it was a different time. It was a different era. A less educated time, yeah, right? I mean, okay. are we really going to say what uh, restaurateurs in the 1950s, are we going to hold that to today's standards? You know, that's ridiculous. They also, they also thought putting butter in every dish was fine. And that's totally, totally is. And, and they thought smoking cigarettes was acceptable. So, well, all right. Yeah. See, see, Okay. that was fun though. I just don't. I don't believe that a hot dog is a sandwich, partly because a hot dog doesn't become a hot dog unless it is uh, actually, oh man. A hot dog is a hot dog outside I'm, the sandwich. I was going to, I trapped myself with my own well, logic. Well, maybe a hot dog is a wiener. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like, it is a sausage. A hot dog yes. itself is a sausage. Correct. So it doesn't become truly a hot dog until it is in the bun. For me, outside it is a sausage. Then you put it into a sandwich. And then it becomes then a becomes filling. The for, hot dog becomes a filling for a split roll, which makes it a sandwich. I just I cannot back this logic. I don't. I know it makes sense, but it just doesn't seem right. It is its own category. I'm all about sense, by the way. I yes, think that's, you are. That's really like like 
a part of me way, way deep inside doesn't care if a hot dog's a sandwich. <laughs> I care that it tastes good, you know, that it has delicious things yeah. on it. That You're the, you know, what is it? Um, is left brain the more logical, like the logic minded? No, that's right, right brain, brain, right? Yeah. And this is the part where I introduce our third unheard character on the podcast, producer Gabe. I'm going to look over at producer Gabe. He doesn't have a microphone. We may have to work on that for future episodes. But producer Gabe, with a head yes or no, is it left brain that is logical or right brain that is logical? Pregnant pause. Pregnant pause. The right. The right side is the logic part. The right part. brain is logical. He's also right. just made a face that he doesn't know. We have three laptops in this room and none of us have done all any right, research. All right. I'm going to quick, quick at the Google but search. But this is perfect because I, mine is the emotional one. I don't like the idea of a hot dog being a sandwich. I like the idea of a hot dog being its own weird special thing that you top differently than a sandwich. That's a part of it to me is that when you think of a sandwich, it is the ingredients are between two pieces of bread. They are used as a filling. And in a hot dog, it's not really a filling as much as it is being stacked on top of the meat opening. But it's between two but it's not, puffy pieces But most of, of the time, the, the toppings are not between the bread. Like, think of, say, Vanguard's sausages. Half oh, the I time, see. So those you're are, piling them on top You're piling it. them on top of it. How does that okay. resemble a sandwich, really, at that point? But when you squish it together and eat it, like it's, I don't know. There's still two people pieces. People who of, squish it together yeah. upset me. I don't like it when people are well, like I mean, mashing it like deep into the crevice. It, I don't. Uh, yeah. Here's a sub question So, is a hot pocket a sandwich then? So, you can't throw me off like that. I'd have to think about that. But Because um, technically, it's not it's more like a two pastry. pieces of bread. Yeah. yeah, it's more like a dumpling. It's not bread, for one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like pastry crust or something. Yeah, but isn't pastry yeah. crust a type of. No, because then you get into like, is a pie a sandwich? And that's ridiculous. But that's that's the part of this debate that's ridiculous, though, is, is if, if you say that anything that is a piece of some sort of grain-created bread, bread. Is, is a sandwich, but there's lots of doughs. And what is bread but just a dough that we universally agree but on? I think, it's, I think it's very specific. It's It's two or more slices of bread or a split roll, and that makes a sandwich. So like if you put ham inside of a split roll... Is that not a sandwich? No, that's a sandwich. A hot dog is special, though. Okay. All right. We're never, we've, we're we've never gotten, ever, ever going to settle. It seems very clear that we have this. settled this debate. Glad we all agree that a hot dog, hot dog is, is indeed not, not a sandwich. sandwich. All right. No, I don't agree. But, and Miriam you know. Webster is wrong. Let's move to the next Who one. Who is Miriam Webster, anyway? Uh, uh, it's uh, not a One woman, of those right? old fuddy-duddies that I was talking probably about. probably a dude. I've used the word fuddy-duddy twice now today. It's very weird. Important question now about brownies and pizza. Let's move to something everyone agrees on. Everyone loves brownies. Everyone loves pizza. Yeah. But the question is, edges or centers when centers. it comes to centers. brownies? Centers. And, oh, centers. wow. Oh, wow. Lori, not even, not even allowing me to finish my <laughs> question. Lori, why are you a center person? And we're talking about pizzas that are cut squares. Yeah, where well, you can pick the crust pieces or there's the center where there's no crust. Are we talking no pizza or brownies? Because I do Both. think my, my answers are slightly different. Okay. So I'm what not a strictly – when you talk brownies, I'm a center person all the way. Okay. Because the centers don't tend to be overcooked at all. Mm -hmm. So you don't like they're, the crunchy bits so on the outside. So they're kind of fudgier, usually gooier. Um, yeah, I don't want the crunchy dry bits on the outside okay. when it comes to a brownie. Um, 
And sometimes that's the case with pizza as well, where I just kind of want the cheesy, delicious part. Like that first bite, yeah. even at Neapolitan style pizza, where you kind of like you're taking the slice out and that that inner portion is a little bit undercooked. Well, it's just it's not really undercooked, but it's yeah, you definitely it's have like some cooling. And it's, yeah, and, but there's like this. I don't know. There's something really, really delicious about that part that you don't get on the exterior, which is more dry. And mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but I do, I do appreciate the crisp of a like other types of pizza. Like you have that crust, and sometimes I like the little corners. Yeah. Um, but not every piece. You have to have a middle in there somewhere. See, I'm not a middle piece person. And I, I'm tr- fully from just like a, a use basis mm-hmm. because I like having the little handle. I don't like having... From the, a holding on to it perspective, yeah, pizza from a, is impossible. From a completely yeah. utilitarian perspective, I like that when I have a piece of pizza, I don't like having nowhere to grab. So my hands get all oily and greasy and cheesy, and then I'm like, oh, God, I got all this mess in my hands. That's what I talk like when I'm eating pizza. So you don't like being dirty. I don't. I'm not a, I'm not a dirty person. Mm. Food this for, this is conversation <laughs> getting... Okay. Did, did that go off the rails Got a little? intimate, right. really. Um, but yeah, I like having the handle for my pizza crust, and I like having... And I like having that little crust at the end. It's like a nice little, like... It feels a little bit like a mission accomplished situation where it's like, I ate this pizza... The crust, the crust is like my final slap hands. Congratulations, you did it. It's like is, a little fire. Are you the same on brownies? Shot. Did you say? I do like a gooier. I I would okay. agree with you that I like the gooier middle section. Yeah. I, I could mean, even appreciate an undercooked brownie, kind of in the center, slightly. Undercooked. Ooh, how undercooked? Are we talking just well, pure chocolate know. dough at that point? Maybe. Maybe. Ooh, intriguing. I kind of like that. But yeah, I like that, and it works out well actually in my household. Because my significant other, she does not like the crust pizzas. She's a completely centerpiece person. So between the two of us, I also think there's more pieces on the outside of a pizza with the crust. So I, at the end of the day, get, get more, more pizza. pizza. Right. This right. is the. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's yeah. the, the the stealthy smart move right there. Right. Well, and this is this is kind of just at the opposite end of the spectrum when you compare this to the hot dog debate, because in the end. You need people who like the middle and the outside in order to get a pizza eaten. So it's like yeah. it's like world peace all <laughs> in one. Whereas the hot dog debate doesn't solve anything either way. No, it's it's a completely useless like debate, eat, which is why people just love eat it. your damn hot dog and be <laughs> quiet about it. Who cares, right? All right. Well, then this actually leads into another pizza question, which we don't have on here. Uh, are you a slices person or a squares person when it comes to pizza? This is important. You are the voice of Milwaukee food. So Yeah, you- but I don't think this is an important I like I like I could go either way. You know, because I kind of I appreciate like the New York style pizza where you kind of and I am a folder. You're a fo- oh you're I'm a, a folder. folder. Which makes it more like a sandwich. Oh no. Lori <laughs> Don't start this again. Wait, no, hold on. So, so-, so you know, I can appreciate like a, a big slice that you just kinda of have to fold. Do you it, fold it, it in with your the- mouth? The toppings on the outside or on the inside? Oh, on the inside. Okay, because I know some people I don't fold on the outside. Really want to be super dirty. Yeah, people say if you fold it with the toppings on the outside, you get the taste more because the toppings are going straight onto your tongue. Whereas if you yeah, fold it, yeah, but that's a disaster. Or is it? I don't know. To me, like I, Lord, I, I've never try tried it. that. I, well, we might yeah, have to try that. Yeah, because if you fold it inward with the crust on the outside, 
you're just tasting the bread and the flour and the See, dough. See, and I fold, I fold all those soggy little inside square pieces in half, too. Oh. Because that also makes them kind of easier to eat. Oh, we're going to have to try like double, this. And it's like double the fillings, like double the toppings. It is true. You're getting Which, more toppings. You know, or, so if you like more toppings. It's the same amount of toppings, Lori. <laughs> you don't get more toppings when but you fold it. But it feels like double the toppings when you fold it because you're eating both sides at the same time. That's true. It's like so. I eat marshmallow peeps really slowly. Like I eat them... <laughs> Look at you, Lori, ruining our podcast with your coughing. <laughs> I eat my peeps really slowly because it almost tricks my brain into thinking I've eaten more than I've had. Like it's like, ooh, man, I've, I've been spending the last hour eating marshmallow peeps, but it's only been like two peeps. Also, I apparently take an hour to eat two marshmallow peeps. <laughs> I'm an embarrassment. Do you like marshmallow peeps? I love marshmallow peeps because they're made of sugar and I love things that are killing me. I can, I can only eat marshmallow peeps. I, I can only take really? You're not very, a peep very. I grew up in a peep place. My mom is wild about peeps. Really? In fact, when I was she a poor young child, no, she just, okay. she really, really likes them, loves to eat them. We used to all, you know, when we were all poor and poor children we'd buy her peeps for her birthdays in spring so if you're lucky it was kind of right around when peeps came out for easter and so everybody gave her peeps (laughs) (laughs) and i I don't know i never watched them but mom's with a sugar high you know that's kind of fun what if she secretly hated peeps but didn't have didn't have it in her to tell you that she hated peeps mind blown i'm sorry my well, life. It's, time, yeah. oh. <laughs> it's all been a lie. Sad lies. Speaking of things you grew up with, though, oh, like oh, this is okay. another like the Miracle Whip versus Mayo debate. Yes. I feel like this is like a nature or nurture sort of a thing. And this is weird for me because I apparently am neither nature nor nurture because <laughs> I do not like mayonnaise or Miracle Whip. I am on a, anything. On anything, I like, hate so mayonnaise. You won't eat tuna salad or no, I won't. Nothing? A lot of potato salads and stuff like that. We yeah. have to reform you. Slaws. I don't like a lot of... I like No vine- creamy slaws? I vinegar? like vinegar slaws. Okay. I hate creamy slaws. Wow. I think it's because... Do you like eggs? I like eggs. Do you like oil? I like oil. Okay. Because that's I know all mayo the logic. Is. I know right. the logic is that th- there's nothing in mayo. Do you like that things like. that are creamy? I do. All right. All right. I think the problem is it's a psychological thing because we used to get cousin subs... Whenever mm-hmm. there's an event, people get like cousin subs or subway subs or whatever, mm-hmm. and they always get like the generic like get us fifty turkey sandwiches, and it's like turkey sandwiches with tomato, which I also hate tomato. Ugh. Important to note. All right, this is going to be on the list. All right, um, tomatoes, turkey, Cooked lettuce. Raw? Oh, sorry, I don't I'll, mind. I'll interrogate. I don't you mind about cooked tomatoes. Okay. It's raw sliced tomatoes and the like juicy, watery tartness. Seedy parts. Yeah, it really throws me off. But they always, whenever you get a sandwich or at a fast food place at McDonald's or Burger King or wherever you go, if a sandwich has mayonnaise on it, it's like they emptied an entire jar on your sandwich. It's like every sandwich got the entire jar. Just pour it on. And I I think that killed any chance of me liking mayonnaise because you take a bite and mayonnaise was just the taste. And it was gooey, and it didn't taste like tomato or cheese or lettuce or any of the things I wanted to taste. And I I reject it. I reject it completely and wholeheartedly. But it sounds like you 
mayonnaise? I'm a mayonnaise person, yeah. Mm. To me, Miracle Whip, I don't, you don't need the extra sugar, like the salad dressing-ishness of the Miracle Whip. I don't know. There's there's too many other things going on in Miracle Whip that I think do not complement most of the things that you put mayonnaise on. Coughing. Sorry. <laughs> um, what is for for the uneducated? But I love mayonnaise. I actually, you know, you talk about mayonnaise. I used to eat mayonnaise sandwiches when I was a kid. Oh no, because I loved mayonnaise. Is that like and a like ma- that's a horrible thing? Is that like a like a th- different generation thing? Because oh. I bet you, like my parents ate mayonnaise thing. sandwiches. But like, it I seems don't... like something you would do if you know you maybe just didn't have the filling for the sandwich. Yeah, um, like I I, I feel I like know. that might have been like a. We don't have much. Let's make a mayonnaise sandwich yeah. kind of thing. But I just really liked mayonnaise. Like, I would eat it off a spoon. Oh, gross. I still would eat it off a spoon, actually, but I tend not to. You're an adult so, now. I am. <laughs> I am. It's you funny know. that I say you're an adult now, which means that you could eat an entire jar of mayonnaise on its I own. I could. Like, I, I like, totally could go home and do had, this. Nobody's going to yeah, stop me. You've but. never had more freedom to not eat mayonnaise <laughs> right. or to eat as much mayonnaise as you want. What is technically the difference between mayonnaise and Miracle Whip for those out there who are, who who are wondering why we're having this debate? Yeah. So Miracle Whip is is um, billed as a, um, I think as a salad dressing or a, um, sandwich spread or something. Yeah. It's um, like a. It's not, you I know, can't may- believe it's not mayonnaise butter. at its purest. Like if you make it yourself, it's you know it's eggs. That have been, you know, whipped with oil, thrown in, maybe a little mustard for emulsification, a little bit of salt, you know, so you really have like a a whipped oil and egg business that's just like creamy and lovely. Um, whereas Miracle Whip is other things. I don't know what those other things are. <laughs> um, in fact, I don't know. Let me see if I can. I can. Yeah, while you're Miracle Whip ingredients yeah, while you're looking here. that up. So what's the difference then between mayonnaise and aioli? They're very, very close. Is, so what's I think, the difference? I think we need is, it. Is need aioli it. just mayonnaise that went to like grad school? Yes. Yes. That's exactly, you know. Aioli is mayonnaise that took a semester abroad. Aioli is mayonnaise that didn't get into the workforce after college, but instead toured the globe and saw things <laughs> and experienced life and made an Instagram about it. What's the difference? Other than aioli is more cultured, I guess. Mayonnaise, Producer Gabe, feel free to cut this. Feel this, free to this cut this out this debate here. where we don't know. Yeah. Um, well, we can look it up right now. We can. And come back and sound really knowledgeable. Ooh, what is the difference between mayo and? Oh, and somebody pulled Hollandaise into this debate. So, according to FoodRepublic.com, in an article they wrote in 2013. Mayonnaise, loosely defined as an emulsion of neutral flavored oil, egg yolk, vinegar, and or lemon juice, and sometimes a dash of powdered mustard. Aioli from the southern French region of Provence and begins not in a blender, but with a mortal and pestle and garlic, several cloves of garlic. The garlic is pounded into a paste, whisked into that egg yolk, lemon juice, mustard, blah, blah, blah. So it sounds like the big difference is garlic. 
that garlic is what makes an aioli. I feel like, yeah, when you maybe when you put something, because they're all egg oil emulsions. Yeah, but like, then you mash up that garlic. And, and, and that would include even pow. something like hollandaise is kind of the same. But the ingredients and the heating process and things are what make hollandaise hollandaise. Um, hard, I think hardcore people will also tell you that true aioli can only be made with a mortar and pestle. But I think that that's just those, pure snobbery. Those real nerds. I think that's snobbery. Um, that's high grade, but but I do believe that it has to contain garlic, you know. But to me, that could also be like, oh, well, that's garlic mayo. Right? <laughs> yeah, just call it garlic mayo. Uh, it, to be to, and also while we were here, I also looked up Miracle Whip versus mayonnaise, yeah. and according to Real Simple, while Miracle Whip contains the mayo key ingredients, egg, yes. oil, vinegar, water, mm-hmm. Miracle Whip has a sweet, spicy flavor. That some people prefer. Yes. And that, that sweet, spicy flavor has to do with high fructose corn syrup. Everyone's favorite. Every foodie's yeah. favorite food item. Yeah. Vinegar, uh, modified cornstarch, salt, natural flavor. Uh-huh. So natural. Like they have sque- to call they it squeezed natural a miracle. Fl- they squeezed a miracle. <laughs> you know, natural miracle flavor. Mustard flour. I don't know what mustard flour is. Potassium sorbate, paprika, spices, and dried garlic. Huh. So it's it's kind of gussied up. Mayo. It's gussied up. You so it's, it's it's aioli. Oh wait, <laughs> they should call it miracle aioli. Miracle aioli. Now it's yeah. come on now. Now see, it's too sweet. That's my big. I don't need any more sweetness. You're not a I, big sweet person. You're not much of a sweet tooth. I don't have much of a sweet tooth. Like if you put onion rings or ice cream in front of me, I might pick onion rings. Most times. That just might be because you hate ice cream. Unless you gave me a chocolate malt and onion rings, and I'd be very, very happy because sweet and salty is totally better than sweet alone. <laughs> uh, speaking of sweet things, Coke or Pepsi, Lori? I grew up in a Coke. I Okay, so I haven't. This is definitely a nature versus I, nurture I question. I have not had soda on a regular basis for at least a decade. Wow. Um, so Really? So hold, today. Hold the phone. I, we need to dive into this. Lori. Yeah, I, I drink I drink, I really like Dr. Pepper, and I drink it on special occasions. Mr. Pib, Dr. Pepper, I guess is my thing. They're They're kind of the same. (laughs) Um, Although, different companies. Um, But I mostly just gave it up because I didn't need the sugar. Really? And diet soda doesn't totally turn my crank. Was there like a a, a moment for you a decade ago when you were like, that's it, I'm done, no more of this there was, there was, but I don't remember exactly how that happened anymore. I just decided I wanted to drink more water, and so I started. I drank sparkling water. I mean, like Lacroix. Okay, boo. Not every kind of Lacroix. I don't like Lacroix. Um, sorry, that's another. Every thing kind on of my Lacroix. List. Mm, yeah. All right. It all tastes like so. All tastes like soap to me. Yeah, I started out drinking plain water, and then I got bored. So you know, then I started drinking things like iced tea and Lacroix. And, <laughs> I don't know. Because I've been trying, I've been wanting to kick my soda habit, or at least lessen it. I've, if anyone knows me from the On Milwaukee office, and as we've alluded to on this podcast, I drink way too much soda. I am uh, killing my insides, and I'm killing my teeth, and I know this, but I also just like soda. Um, but I've been trying to to find a way to wean myself off of it, and and where and I was. Do you have any tips or tricks for this? You know, it's funny because it's really trendy now to put like cucumbers in water, like cucumbers or fruit in water, like in water infusions, which that does help because the water tastes, you know, it picks up the essences of whatever you're putting in it. And I did that. I mean, like 
a decade ago, you know, it was like cucumber water is now the big, you know, you go to oh, a bridal shower of the and they feed you like fancy cucumber water. <laughs> um, and, but I think people have been doing that for a long time. So that's, that's maybe a trick. Um, just so that you don't feel like you're completely depriving yourself of the flavor, you know, that is involved with soda. I d- would you miss the carbonation? Is that? Um, I think it's the flavor. Okay. I like the sweetness. I like mm-hmm. it. I get really weirded out by those alcoholic sodas and seltzers that are popular right now, like those White Claw. I like White Claw. That's I, delicious. If I want something sweet, I want a soda. And if I want something a little bit more savory to drink, mm-hmm. I'll have a beer or I'll have a, a mixed drink. I don't mm-hmm. like. I don't like the idea of just drinking like a pure fruity alcohol. Like I don't know. Just doesn't fly by me. So so like I, I, I drink a lot of so I also go to a lot of movies and, and events where soda is an option to drink and I always end up so I end up sipping a lot on that stuff, which my dentist tells me uh is making her want to jump off a cliff. So Oh, <laughs> bad for your teeth too. It's yeah. really bad for my teeth. Um so uh, I will I will work on that. But, My answer to that is Pepsi. I'm a Pepsi oh. person. Yeah, see, and I grew up in a Coke family. Yeah. But no, see, now that I haven't had soda in a long time, I think carbonation gets to me really fast. And really? Like, I, if I drink a soda too fast, I feel like I burp for like two days. Um, <laughs> that's probably an exaggeration. But um, whereas Pepsi is a little bit more gentle on the carbonation. Oh. But it's also much sweeter. Yes. See, the sugar, I feel like the sugar content in Pepsi, like, I almost can't drink it because it's too sweet. No, that's fair. You can taste it. Like you can have, you feel like there's this layer of sugar on your teeth after drinking a bottle of Pepsi. And I grew up during the Cola Wars, and I could never figure out how you would not. We lost be able, a lot of good lives in the Cola not, Wars. You would not be able to tell a Coke from a Pepsi in a blind taste test because there's. If you gave me Pepsi was so much sweeter. If you gave me Pepsi or Diet Coke in a blind taste test, I would definitely know the difference because Diet Coke to me tastes like melted down metal. Diet soda has chemical yeah. properties. I, I don't understand the people who are all up on Diet Coke. To me, it tastes like you took a steel beam, melted it down, added two drops of sugar, and and you drink it. When I was in high school, the big thing was to drink Diet Coke with lime. And I still, if I ever they had that, didn't they have that in the nineties? Oh yeah, not that, not like they're the, like it was like Coke with lime, Pepsi yeah. with lime. Yeah. It was weird. Actually, you know, speaking doing of it again. weird soda things, though, you know what is good? What? It's Pepsi mixed with red wine. Really? It's, yeah, yeah, it's a big thing. I think maybe in oh, – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess this up, but that's a big drink in South America. Really? If I'm not mistaken. Coke um, and – Oh, and France. Coke France. and red wine? All the young people in France were drinking Pepsi and wine. Oh, Pepsi and – that's so weird. Pepsi. And I think it was Pepsi specifically. Does it cool. cut the red wine taste or or, no, does it cut I, well, the, or does it cut the sweetness of the Pepsi? It does. It does. Okay. And it pulls in this interesting kind of fruity dimension from the wine along with kind of some tannins and I don't know. We should try that sometime. <laughs> should drink Pepsi with red wine and talk yeah. about tannins. I think there's an – actually, there's an official name for that. Um, I don't know. We'll look it up. Maybe we'll do – <laughs> Save it for the podcast. That's so interesting, though. I would, yeah. I, I would, I would drink that. So. I'd be interested to try that. I, it would have to be. Does it have to be a good red wine or a bad red wine? I'd feel so pretty to bad. Me, I feel. I feel like don't waste your really good red wine. Yeah. Um, I also feel that way about sangria. Like, don't use the 
crappiest, lowest don't bottom up, shelf, yeah. like, I don't know. Don't pull I won't out name names, swift wine. Don't, don't do that because then it'll just be gross and it'll give you a headache. But don't use your top, you know, your $50 bottle of, you know, Chateau de Pop for sangria. Yeah. That would no, be a shame. Yeah. Drink it by itself. Lori, do you cut your sandwiches in half or diagonally? I really like cutting them diagonally because I really think it's cute. <laughs> in fact, cute? I, my mom, when I was a kid, used to cut um, egg sandwiches were one of my favorite things. Different from mayonnaise sandwiches. Well, at the, there was mayo. So to <laughs> me, it was a fried egg, um, mostly, mostly fried, not sunny side up. She kind of you just flipped the egg and so the, the yolk would break, but it was still a little soft. So that kind of egg with spread on bread with a little mayo. And then she would cut them um, vertically or diagonally mm-hmm. twice. So we'd have these cute little like finger egg sandwiches to eat. Oh. <laughs> and I don't know. I always, so it always looked prettier to me I'm to really, cut it ver- or cut it diagonally. Yeah. I'm really fascinated by this, this backstory I'm learning about you. Cause it sounds like you had a pretty, I don't want to put words in your mouth and I'm not saying this to, 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 to shine a negative light, it sounds like you had a pretty modest, modest growing up in terms of food and culinary options. I I did like you know they were really really simple things. I but my mom was also a pretty good cook. Okay. But it was a different era, like the seventies and eighties. Like food wasn't cool yet, so. <laughs> but, <laughs> it was just something you ate to not die. But, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, we can talk We can talk about this because my mom was kind of ahead of the curve. My grandfather had been a butcher. Oh. Um, so I grew up eating some more unusual things. I mean, like so off-cuts like, were not strange. So like you know, ear. I did grow up eating. Probably not pig ear, but liver and onions were a once-a-week thing. My parents love liver and onions. Um, my dad, whenever someone brings up liver and onions, he's like, my mom made the best And I think my mom makes a groaning sound whenever she sees, like, and there's restaurants still that, you know, like old European-style restaurants that have it on the menu, and she sees it on the menu, and she, like, sees it and lets out this, like, um, sort of, <laughs> a, and I just kind of laugh, because I did not love liver and onions, but the story of my loving or hating foods is interesting. There's hardly anything I hate, mostly because I decided if I was supposed to not like it, I was going to love it. <laughs> so like just, this was like me rebelling against something. So um, you trolling? You were like, okay. So my sister hated liver, so I was like, all right, I'm going to love liver. How do I love <laughs> liver? You just keep eating it and finding something to love about it, and eventually, you do. So when did your passion for food start? Probably back when I was eating liver and onions. <laughs> no, I was I was a funny kid. I like had, um, I don't know. I was obsessed, kind of with food from for as long as I can remember. And when I started to read, I read and like I read books. That was my thing. But I started getting cookbooks out of the library and probably kids. I mean, they were kids' cookbooks, like you know the Betty Crocker kids. Cookbook. Yeah, you weren't reading. But the Art I would of French go through cooking. that book yeah. and I would find the weird, what seemed like the weirdest recipe. And I would say, okay, mom, can we make this? And the one that comes to mind, this is not so super weird, but it was a kidney bean salad. Oh, interesting. Which isn't weird. I mean, it was like kidney beans and like a 
vinaigrette dressing and okay. probably celery and onion or something. I mean, it was pretty basic. For but a I Kindle, made, that's pretty adventurous. But I was going to say, the whole idea of a bean salad sounded kind of gross. And I was like, but maybe it tastes good. Maybe I can get everybody in my family to eat bean salad. Well, <laughs> I did. And I made it like four times. I made everybody eat it for weeks. <laughs> um, and to, to this day, I can eat bean salad. It's okay. <laughs> but um, but I, liked, I liked the idea of cooking. And so... That's cooking was my foray into into food. Yeah, and cooking and eating. I mean, did you go to school for food, or or was this just always uh, a nope. hobby? Nope, I went to school for writing. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> just, you know, so basically, the, so the other so thing I had two. I've had two. My you know, my life isn't um, isn't a path of one. It's kind of a path of two things, and food and writing were the two things. Yeah. When did you realize that you could make a career out of loving food and writing about it? That was such a happy accident. Really? I just started doing it on the side, and people were like, oh, my gosh, you need to do that. Like, do more of that. So I did more of that, and I did cooking and writing. You know, I had a food blog, and then I got a job working for Milwaukee Magazine writing about weird little offbeat food things that mm-hmm. they didn't cover otherwise. And then Bobby Tansillo actually tweeted to me. He's like, why are you doing that for them? <laughs> and he said, you should do that for us. And um, I said, okay, let's let's have a conversation. And you know, so at that and that was after probably a good, maybe the better part of a decade of just kind of doing things on my own. And I was I was getting side gigs as in recipe development. I was, you know, I was working at Marquette, nine to five job, and then doing all of my food things on the side. And mostly it was about being adventuresome and eating. And and really, eventually, just meeting people who were in the world of food. And hmm. Interesting. So, Are you more of a cooking fan or an eating fan? Well, they're both fantastic. So <laughs> I, I like both, and maybe equally. I do love it when people cook for me, though, because when you cook and you make something, there's all sorts of criticism that can come in you know I mean I think I'm the most critical of things I make you know I know everything that went wrong with a dish but when I'm eating someone else's food like it's beautiful because you don't you don't overanalyze it yeah that's my problem with cooking is what I like cooking a lot I don't like all of the work of cooking and and also I get really stressed out when I'm cooking I don't cooking is something where you have to really kind of roll with it and roll with the punches and and accept that maybe it won't turn out perfectly and I have a hard time with that I have a hard time with making something and being like oh no it's going a little bit wrong and then I start I don't really bail the ship out of water as much as I just kind of let it sink because I just get sad so you're a perfectionist who gives up easily yeah. Okay, that's probably putting you because in a, in I don't a very like the idea of box, wasting but... all of that food and that money. Yeah. Like I don't like the idea of I I tried to make something and it failed because it's not like anyone wants to eat your bad food anymore. Yeah. So, um, but hopefully that is something that we will learn through the course of this podcast. Right. And hopefully, th- I, I'm hoping there will be very little bad food. And hopefully, good this food, will mostly but, be good food. And we're going to be talking to a lot of people who make great food in Milwaukee. We are. Uh, just to tease what we're going to be doing more of this. Since but I we think, might also taste test microwave dinners. So, you know. I like microwave dinners. All of them? Not all of them. Like, all I'm right. not a big fan of like the. Like, I like the hoity toity pretentious people 
ones, like the yeah. the ones that come in like the self. The ones with names like the Glorious Gourmet. Yeah, like the ones with. I don't like, think there's even a one called that. <laughs> it's <laughs> nice save though. In case we gourmet ever, is so eighties. In case we ever get a sponsor for this, they're not going to be like <laughs> this one time. She said we she hated our dishes. No, no. But there's like the ones that like uh they're they're steamers. Like it comes in a little plastic steamer bowl. Oh, I'm so yeah. out of it. Yeah, they're really fancy now. Like the days of like the hungry man, like brick of brick of brownie that you of, had to put in the oven. You had to put them in the oven. I've never lived into the. It's you the, did well. Yeah, I mean microwaves. Ugh. When I, I was, when I was a kid, like the hungry man dinners were all micro were all oven based. Huh. So your chick fried chicken actually got crispy, and your oh, see that actually sounds potatoes, good. Because we always got the. Sal- I still I still feel like most things are better made in the oven, but. I, I had like the Salisbury steak ones where it was like a slab of mystery. Mystery meat is gross. Yeah, the the mystery burger slathered in gravy with like gross corn. Yeah. Which that's a, one of my weirdest food ticks. I don't like corn off the cob, but I love corn on the cob. I, Lori is <laughs> shaking her head at me. She's so confused. By what's my problem. And we'll find out about more of my problems as this show goes along. We'll also be interviewing chefs, people doing cool food things. Uh, we're going to do have a segment uh, called Food Porn every week where it is just going to be... The one, Food Porn Minute. Food Porn Minute where it's just going to be us reading a delicious menu item or food description with some seductive music in the background. And, uh, you're going to want to tune in just for that. Yeah, you're going to want to fast forward to the last minute of every episode of our show. We might even want to you know, come up with some really gross things that we read. Uh, Oysters. Oysters are delicious. Yeah, but if you described it in words to somebody. Slimy. You take your knife, slide <laughs> it into the oyster's oily, baggy okay, crust. Okay, let's, yeah, See? let's yeah, not go it there. doesn't sound Ugh, good. Off the rails. All right. Off the rails. <clears throat> and speaking of that food porn minute, it is time for the first of hopefully many food porn minutes uh, here on Food Crush. Uh, it, for those who don't know, this is going to be every week. We're going to end the episode with a minute approximately of either Lori or myself seductively reading a very, very tasty-sounding recipe or food description that we find on the internet and uh, putting some tasteful music behinding it. Behinding it? Behind it. Uh, behinding is not a verb. So <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. How do you behind it? I don't know how one behinds <laughs> something. Yeah, let's not go there. Tasteful. Tasteful, food. elegant. That is, that is what the food porn minute intends to be. And I'm glad that episode one is, is going so well. <laughs> so with that, let's put on our serious faces. Let's, turn, let's put on some mood lighting. Let's get some, some music. I like that music. Lori with the food porn minute. Pimenton fried eggs. We love the rich, savory flavor of eggs fried in bubbling hot olive oil and the way the oil makes the whites puffy around the yolks and crisp around the edges. Pimenton, the exquisite Spanish paprika, adds a delicious smoky flavor and stains the oil. It's gorgeous, deep brick orange. So beautiful to baste over the eggs. 
serve these for breakfast with a good crusty bread to sop up the flavorful oil or with stewy chickpeas any time of day. To make, heat four tablespoons of olive oil in a heavy medium skillet over medium high heat until quite warm. Add one half teaspoon pimenton and dip, tip the skillet to swirl it around so it dissolves into the oil. Then crack four eggs into the skillet and reduce the heat if it gets a little too hot. Fry the eggs, basting them with the olive oil until the whites are firm and the yolks remain soft. Season with salt. Serve the eggs with a bit of the oil spooned on top. Yeah. Spooned on top. That was the Food Porn Minute recipe, courtesy of Chef Gabrielle Hamilton, as found in the book or the site. Canal House. Canal House Cooking. There's a lot. That's That was the good stuff, Lori. <laughs> Thank you for that. And thank you for all those out there listening to the first ever episode of Food Crush. We appreciate your listening. We'll be having a few more professional episodes after this first one. Uh, but thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, you can find us on them internets. We are Food Crush MKE on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. If you like us, Snapchat. or even if you think you might like us. Yeah, if you like us, like us on any yeah. of those platforms. Really like us. Yeah, super like us. Officially like us. Hit that, smash that like button. Admit it, admit it. Commit. Yeah, commit to this relationship. We're here. Um, and uh, stay tuned. We're going to be doing this, uh, I think, is this weekly, bi-weekly? Probably every week. Probably every week. As long as you can stand it. Yeah, stay tuned for more Food Crush. Uh, Lori Friedrich, food writer for Unpunwaki. Thank you as always. Thank you, Mr. Matt Miller, my my brave and um, lovely accomplice. And by lovely accomplice, she means culture editor for Unpunwaki. <laughs> <laughs> And yes. uh, thank you to producer Gabe for producing. He gave us the double peace sign and the double thumbs up. He's from Go Get It, by the way. He's from Go Get It. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so all of that. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will uh, we will see you next time. We will You will hear us next uh, time. Food crush. Wow.